Well, let's take our Bibles before we begin the message today and hold them up and let's say the words that are up on the screen. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. It is the indestructible, incorruptible, everlasting, living Word of God. I receive it now by faith and I believe that my life will forever be changed. Let's pray. Father, as we get into this new series on miracles, Lord, I thank you that you will accomplish what you put in my heart. And that is you will prepare us as a church, Lord, to embrace this next wonderful season that you're bringing through the church to the world. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to share with you for just a moment before we get into this new series, Miracles, about the purpose of this series. I prayed some of that, uh, prayed out some of that purpose just then in my prayer, but I want to talk to you about it. Because you may say, well, Pastor Jane, why are you doing a series right now on miracles? Here at Faith Life Church, here's what we believe. We believe that every series is a season. And in this season, as we learn about miracles, I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to prepare us as a church for what he's about to do in the church worldwide. I believe that there is coming a revival where thousands upon thousands of people in nations throughout the earth are going to be swept into the kingdom of God. And just like this pandemic has affected the whole World, every nation, every people group, I believe that this next revival is going to affect every nation and every people group, and thousands upon thousands are going to come to Jesus. Now, here's what church history and what the Bible teaches us. When there is a great influx of people being swept into the kingdom, one of the things that you see accompanies those seasons is miracles. God uses miracles to get people's attention. I mean, there's nothing like a miracle to make people look your way, to make people look to God. And so God uses miracles. Now, God always does miracles. He never stops doing miracles. But there are seasons where there is an abundance of of miracles. And I believe that we're about to embrace that season. And I want us to be ready as a church to embrace that fully. And a part of that is knowing the purpose of miracles. We don't want to get into crazy. I I like what one of my pastor friends says. He says, if you're going to do crazy, go to another church and say you're from that church if you're going to do crazy. Now, Honestly, I think it's crazy not to believe that God would do miracles. I mean, what good is your God if he can't do a miracle? Isn't that what makes him God? But we don't want to go crazy over miracles. We want to stay in love with the Father, with the Son. And we want to know the purpose of miracles. And so let's get into this series and let's learn the purpose of miracles. And then also I believe in this series, it's going to create an expectation in us for God to do miracles in this community, in our lives, in our family, 
And so let's begin today with a message that I've simply entitled, The Greatest Miracle of All. So go with me first to the book of Psalms. And I just want us to read some passages that speak of God being a miracle worker. And so Psalm 136 verse 4 says this, Give thanks to him who alone does mighty miracles. His faithful love endures forever. Now, now let me just say it this way. Our God is a God who does miracles. And not only is our God a God who does miracles, he does the greatest miracles of all. I know this is not grammatically correct, but I think you'll get the message. You can't out-miracle our God. You just can't out-miracle our God. He is a God of miracles. Psalm 78, 7 says this. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. Wow, it says every generation. I mean, you know, that would be us. Every generation must set its hope anew on God. In other words, put your hope in God by not forgetting his glorious miracles. In other words, let's just build our hope that he's going to do some miracles in our generation. And we don't just have to look back and go, well, that's what God did. But we can say, look what God is doing every generation to set their hope anew on God. And I want Faith Life Church, every one of us, to set our hope open new on a God who does miracles, a miracle working God. Let me just say this, as the church, we must not forget or lose sight of God's miracle working power. Psalm 145 verse 5 the psalm said, I, the psalmist said, I will meditate on your ma- majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. Now, not only should we not forget the miracles God does, but he says here that we should meditate. Everybody knows how to worry, don't you? Then you know how to meditate. Because meditation is nothing more than positive worry. Letting the miracles of God, the goodness of God, be on your mind like that problem is on your mind. The miracles of God. When's the last time you just sat down with your Bible and opened it up and just started going through all the miracles that God has done? Don't you think that'd do something for you? In fact, I'll just say this. What effect would it have on our souls if we took time to meditate on his miracles? Wow, I believe we would find our souls, our mind, our will, our emotions, which is so affected by what's going on in the world. Listen, you can't live in this world 
and not be affected by this world without a greater power helping you to not be overcome by what's going on. So we've got to affect ourselves and make sure that we lift our soul up. And there's nothing like meditating on God's miracles to lift you up and to remind you that he can take care of you in the midst of whatever is going on and whatever has happened or whatever will happen. Come on, he is a miracle working God. That's who he is. It's what he does. Now, let me define for you the word miracle. It's used in the Old Testament, which is the Hebrew. It's used in the New Testament, which is the Greek. And then we just have the Merriam-Webster's dictionary of a definition of a miracle. But here's the Hebrew word used for miracle. Miracle is defined as a wonder or a wonderful deed, a miraculous sign, an omen. Miracle from the Merriam-Webster's Dictionary defines it as an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. I, I, I like divine intervention in my affairs. God wants to divinely intervene on your behalf. That's who he is. That's what he does. And it's a manifestation of his goodness, his grace. And then in the New Testament, Strong's definition for this word miracle, it says that by which a person or a thing is distinguished from others and known. One of the things that Jesus was known for was his miracles. So a miracle distinguishes a person. And then the word miracle also, I like the way Spiro Zodiades, who's a Greek scholar, he says miracles can be defined as this, a sign, finger posts of God. In other words, God using his fingers to point you to something and say, look at me, I'm real, I'm alive, I'm here for you, I can do, it's the finger posts of of God miracles now let's talk about some miracles that God's done we're not to forget them we're to meditate upon them we'll think about some for just a moment let's exercise our mental capacities and our memories in the Old Testament some of the greatest miracles were when God was delivering the children of Israel out of Egypt Can you just imagine, have you taken time to do this? To imagine what it would have been like to be in that caravan with literally millions of children of the children of Israel when God has just delivered you out of Egypt and then you come to the Red Sea. And how are millions of people going to get across the Red Sea? And then Moses stretches out his staff. And the Bible says the Red Sea split or the waters were congealed. That means like they froze. And then it also says this. They walked across on dry ground. Now, now we live in Florida. If you've ever been in the ocean, you know that is... Not, that, 
mud down there sometimes is hard to walk in well can you imagine even if God would have parted it if that riverbed would have still been mushy how would they have gotten cross listen God is smart he knew not only did he have to move back the waters he had to dry the floor and it's his floor he can dry it he created it he can move it that's a miracle that's what God did and millions of people walked across and then that's not all the minute the last Israelite stepped onto the dry land the waters folded back and consumed their enemies that's the God we serve and he hasn't lost his power as we sang this morning he's never lost a battle he's never failed and he won't fail us Think about in the New Testament. I love this one. Jesus feeding the 5,000 with two loaves and five fish. All his disciples said, we can't feed them. We can't. It's impossible. And Jesus said, go, go get me what you have. And then he looked up to God. He blessed it. And five, over 5,000 people. 5,000 were just the men. Then it says 5,000 men plus women and children. You know there's always more women at church than men. <laughs> That's kind of the way it is. Here's a miracle. Later on, when Jesus comes walking to the disciples, right after he feeds the 5,000, multiplies those fish and bread, a miracle Right after that, he comes walking on the water and the disciples are in a storm and, and, and the minute he steps in the boat, it, the storm stops and they'd even been afraid when they saw him walking on the water, they thought it was a ghost. And Jesus said, your hearts are so hard. You, you didn't even get the miracle that I just did. And really, here's what he was saying. You don't get that I'm God in the flesh. How could I have done that miracle if I wasn't who I've been telling you that I am. Are our hearts sometimes so hard that we don't get that he's God, that he can do this? I remember I tell on myself, I remember years ago, and this necessarily isn't even about a miracle, but sometimes I felt like I needed a miracle for this to happen, and you'll understand when I tell this story. But I was in college I was actually going to Bible school after college, and I was out in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And you know, you're a young person, you're there living on your own, taking care of apartment, and I'm working only part-time because I'm going to Bible school full-time, so you know, not a lot of money coming in, and you know, you got all the bills, but I'm at church one morning, and I just had written out my offering, and when I wrote out my offering, I thought, oh gosh, Lord, I'm going to worship you, but... Then I, I really, then worry kind of set in because I knew what my bills were. And if I gave that offering, which I did, I knew I was going to be about $50 short. And, oh, Lord, what am I going to do? But by that time, the church had kind of moved on and they were back into worship and they had stood and they were singing that wonderful song, How Great Thou Art. So I just jumped up, put my checkbook back in my purse, jumped up and started lifting my hands and singing How Great Thou Art. Now, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit inside me said, just sit down. And, you know, you kind of know when it's the voice of the Lord. It's not like audible, but it's like this impression on the inside of you. The Lord said, just be quiet. I thought, Lord, I thought, I've done something wrong. I'm in trouble. And the Lord said, I said, Lord, what are you trying to say? And he said, you don't believe what you're singing. 
I said, I do. And he said, no, you don't. He said, you don't even believe I'm bigger than $50. And, and see, I was worried about $50, but then I stood up and went, how great thou art. Come on. Are you with me today? Maybe we're more like the disciples with our hard hearts than we think. Do we get that he is God? Do you get it? Come on, I believe that you do. And the truth is, we'll have to continue to use our faith and we'll have to continue to meditate upon his miracles. And, and then I think about in the New Testament when the church was starting, and there was again this influx of souls being brought into the kingdom of God. And it says that Peter walked along the street and they brought out those that were lame and sick and lined the streets with them and his shadow healed them. That is miraculous. Wow. Now let's talk about the purpose of miracle. What's God's purpose in doing a miracle? He's not the Barnum and Bailey big top show. God appearing. No. God has a purpose in doing those miracles. Acts 2.22 tells us the purpose of miracles. It says, people of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him as you well know. The purpose of miracles is to point people to Jesus. There are signs. There are signs that say Jesus is the Savior. There are signs that say God loves you and he sent Jesus. They are, they are God's finger posts pointing you to him through the person of Jesus Christ. God's not a show off. That's not why he does miracles. But I tell you this, while God is not a show-off, when he shows up, something's going to happen. There's going to be a showdown. His presence alone makes the difference. Now, he determines when and where he does a miracle. See, here's a good thing about miracles. You never have to be under pressure about miracles because you can't do one. Why, why get pressured about that? Either God shows up and does it or he doesn't. And so we have to make sure that we understand the purpose of miracles, and we have to make sure we keep our eyes on the one who's the miracle worker. Now, now listen, the purpose of the miracle is to help people believe Jesus is God. That's the purpose of miracles. And the truth is, miracles will make a believer out of most people. And so God uses them. Mark 16, we see this purpose also defined when Jesus is speaking to his disciples and giving them the great commission. You'll see he mentions miracles. Mark 16, 15, just before Jesus leaves the earth, after he's been resurrected, he tells his disciples, and then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. 
Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. In other words, God's saying, you preach the gospel, you tell people who Jesus is, and I'll back it up with a miracle. We need to believe that. We need to believe that when we preach the gospel, that God will confirm what we preach. Verse 20 it goes on, Mark 16, 20. It goes on to say that the disciples did just that. And it says, and the disciples went everywhere and preached and the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. Are we believing for miracles? We're believing God to do miraculous things when we preach His Word. God does miracles to point the way to Jesus so people can come to know Him. Wow. Bottom line is God wants people to know Him. He wants people to be in a relationship with Him. Why? Because He loves Him. Don't you want the people that you love to be in relationship with you? Man, when those relationships are broken, it's no fun. Family members, friendships. God wants people to be in relationship with Him. And Jesus is the way to a relationship with God. Now, I said that this particular message was entitled, The Greatest Miracle of All. Let's talk about the greatest miracle. We know the purpose of a miracle. What's the greatest miracle of all? Go with me, if you will, to Ezekiel 36, verse 26. The scripture will be up on the screen too. But Ezekiel here is prophesying and speaking of the new birth. And here's what he says. And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart, and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you, so that you will follow my decrees, and be careful to obey my regulations. Now, now listen, based on that passage... Here's what we know. A transformed life, a new heart, is by far the greatest miracle of all. You say, well, I've never seen God do a miracle. Did you change? That was a miracle. <laughs> uh, are you with me? Come on, you know people you say, that'd be a miracle. Well, God does miracles. And when he changes a person's heart, gives them a brand new heart, there are miracles, physical miracles of people that had heart conditions, and then all of a sudden they went to that God healed them. They go back to their physician and their cardiologist says, what happened? It's like you have a brand new heart. That's a physical heart. But what is greater than when someone has a brand new spiritual heart, when they become a brand new person? Listen, other miracles had to happen for that miracle to happen. 
The virgin birth had to happen. A young woman, a virgin woman, received the work of the Holy Spirit in her, and God came to dwell among men. He put on flesh. That was a miracle, but that miracle had to happen. And what was the purpose of every miracle? It is so the greatest miracle of all can be accomplished, a brand new heart, a transformed life. Wow. The miracle of the resurrection, Jesus conquering death, how many of you know somebody being raised from the dead? That would be a miracle. Jesus came back after three days, but that miracle happened. So the greatest miracle of all could happen, which is a transformed life. Jeremiah thirteen twenty three says this. Can an Ethiopian, Ethiopian change the color of his skin? Can a leper take away its spots? Neither can you start doing good, for you have always done evil. In other words, he's saying, you can't change yourself. It's impossible. But how many know what's possible with man? Or what is impossible with man? It's possible with God. I know you probably said it. Maybe somebody in your family, maybe somebody you know, you say, as far as them coming to Christ, you say, that'd take a miracle. Well, God can do them. Come on, it's going to take a miracle for their heart to be changed. And he can also, if he can do that, then certainly he could do something physically in this realm to help them receive the greatest miracle of all. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a brand new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Now, now I know. Thank God that for good scientists. Thank God for all the improvements that science has brought to man. And even when it comes to giving life, you know, there's things, especially uh, women who, for whatever reason, they haven't seemed to be able to give birth. And, and so science has found a way, medical science has found a way to help impregnate their womb, but they needed what God created to do that. Yeah. They, they can never come up with the egg. They can ne- come on. That's God's deal. Yeah. And man... Religion, nothing can change a heart, can change people from the inside out. You see here, not only is God the giver of life, but he is the one who gives new life in Christ. Listen, it is a miracle to know that the old has been gone. It's gone. That's a miracle that your sins are not held against you. Now, we've got to walk out that miracle. We've got to learn how to live by faith in that truth that everything is new. Mm. The greatest miracle is a transformed life. The gift of a new life that lasts forever. What a miracle. We're forever made new. And the old is gone in a new life. Let, let me real quick. I, I want to go over two miraculous conversions in the New Testament. 
that really are examples of miracles. And the first one is Paul. Many of you know that the Apostle Paul wrote over two-thirds of the New Testament. But he was a bad dude. If you think of somebody today that is totally against the gospel and is working against it, not just saying, well, I'm an atheist, y'all do what you want. No, no, that wasn't Paul. Paul said, I'm an atheist, and I'm coming after you. Listen what he says about himself when he's giving his, the defense of his faith before King Agrippa. Acts 26, 9. He said, I used to believe that I ought to do everything I could to oppose the very name of Jesus the Nazarene. Indeed, I did just that in Jerusalem, authorized by the leading priests. I caused many believers there to be sent to prison, and I cast my vote against them when they were condemned to death. Many times, I had them punished in the synagogues to get them to curse Jesus. I was so violently opposed to them that I even chased them down in foreign cities. You say, this guy ain't going to change. But then a miracle happened. He goes on to talk about the miracle. Can I just tell you this even before I share this wonderful miracle? Just know this. There is no one that is out beyond God's reach. Acts 26, 12 Paul goes on to share what happened. He said, One day I was on such a mission to Damascus, armed with the authority and commission of the leading priests. About noon, your majesty, I was, as I was on the road, a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shone down on me and my companions. We all fell down, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is useless for you to fight against my will who are you Lord I ask how many know when Jesus shows up like this you don't go now who are you Paul who hated him who didn't believe in him he showed up and one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord of all Verse 16, it says, actually, verse 15, Who are you, Lord, I ask? And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get to your feet, for I have appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and witness. You are to tell the world what you have seen and what I will show you in the future. And I will rescue you from both your own people and the Gentiles. Yes, I am sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and will be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. And Paul spent the rest of his life fulfilling that commission. But what changed everything? A miracle. And then because that miracle happened, then the greatest miracle of all, and that is Saul became Paul, a brand new person. Paul went from terrorizing those who were followers of Christ 
to winning people to Christ. Don't tell me that gal, that guy can't be saved. Mm. And how about Zacchaeus? Many of you might remember, I got to kind of hurry up here a little bit. I want to close with something as we close. Remember Zacchaeus in the Bible? When we were little in church, we sing a song about him in children's church. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a short guy, but very influential, powerful, tax collector. And he heard that Jesus was coming. And Zacchaeus rushed ahead. You know the story. He climbed up in a tree to make sure that he would be able to see Jesus because the crowd was all around Jesus. And Jesus, you know the story, looks up in the tree and let me pick up there. It says in Luke 19, 5, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much Jesus responded salvation has come to this home today for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and to save those who are lost as you see that's a miracle a man's heart was completely transformed. A man who was notorious for being a thief, for swindling people. And now, after meeting Jesus, after believing in Jesus, all of a sudden, that stony, greedy heart becomes brand new. And he says, Lord, I'm going to give half of what I have to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody, I'm not just going to give them back what's due. I'm going to give them four times as much. I mean, oh, that's a miracle. I thought, man, I hope somebody like that gets saved that's cheated meat now. <laughs> Transformed life. Now listen, only Jesus can change a person's heart. Only Jesus can work this miracle. Let me wrap this up with one scripture out of Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, verse 26 says, For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Or could I say this? This is the miracle. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. Listen, folks, it's a miracle. Christ, God, lives in us. Now, now we all know those people that it's a miracle. Anyone would live with them. But here's the miracle, is that God, through Christ, is living in us. What does that mean? If you have Christ living within, you are a living, walking miracle. Mm. Let me just close with this. 
All other miracles pale in comparison to the miracle of Christ within us. A transformed life through Christ is God's greatest miracle. Amen. Did you get something out of that today?